Hello, Fight and Sight fans, viewers, and listeners. I am your guest co-host for the day, Reggie from Reggie and Law on TikTok. And as always with me is your host, Timmy B. Hi, Timmy. How are you? How are you doing, Reggie? Good, good. Glad to be here again. And before we start, please take a moment to follow and subscribe on whatever platform you're using right now. And please leave a five-star rating and comment. On today's episode, we are going to talk to a fighter who might actually be happy with his pay. A fighter and friends are probably going to the clink clink and a whole lot more. All right, Tim, hit it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Fighting Sight Podcast. Let's talk. Our guest today is a 16-fight veteran of the UFC currently competing in the welterweight division and comes to us following his incredible performance of the night, second-round stoppage of Andre Fialho at UFC 275. Born in Australia, this man has made some waves online recently by posting his comments about fighter pay, how it's not that bad, which is a topic we've talked to many times on this podcast to many different people. We are so happy to have him on. We're glad that he accepted to come on and chat. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast, Jake, the Celtic kid, Matthews. <laughs> How's it going, Jake? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Yourself? Good, good. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. You, Like I said in the intro, you know, people were very shocked by your comments. We played, we played some of your Instagram story on the podcast last week. Jake, I'm going to start it out. We, we often go to fans and get some fan questions. So one fan question we had right off the top to make sure that you're legit here. Has Dana paid you to make these tweets? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, I want to start by saying if people, if, if people didn't concern themselves with other people's pay and, and, and jump on Twitter so much and, you know, they, they'd probably have a happier life themselves. Um, I think people read too much into Twitter and obviously from my, my side of things, there's only so much context I can put in a tweet. It's obviously limited in the amount of words we can use. So, um, but no, exactly. I mean, I'm like, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm not backpedaling or anything. I'm, I'm more than happy. I mean, as, as everyone's relative, I guess, in, in regards to pay, where you come from, your hardship, how much work you've put in. But as a kid from, you know, Northern suburbs of Melbourne in Australia, I, like I actually think the money I get paid to do what I do is is, is ridiculous, and that's that's a kid who's coming from a. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a. I grew up, you know, lower class in the suburbs. Watched my parents work two, three jobs, struggle to put petrol in the car. So coming from that point of view, the money I get paid, it, it exceeds anything I ever thought I would get paid in my life. That's amazing, Jake. Okay, before we get into the pay stuff a little bit more though, when did you know you were going to become a fighter? Was that like your dream? Uh, it wasn't, no. So, so I was playing Australian Australian football. I, was, I played for about nine years, very high level. Um, you know, representative teams. You know, made even even made some bit of a higher level higher level uh, in football. And it got to a point where I wanted to stay fit during the off season. So, I went along to a kickboxing class with my friend. Jumped in the class. One thing progressed to another. Found jujitsu and MMA. I, I actually did jujitsu a little bit before with my my dad because he trained with the Gracies when they first came to Australia back in 1992, I believe. Nice. So that was actually before the UFC. My my dad was training jujitsu. So there's a little bit of a an impact, like a impact from my from my old man as well. But um, but yeah, it's about three months into training. There was a, a late notice fight came up, an amateur fight. I took it. Ended up winning by a head kick knockout. Wow! And, yeah, and I had no, I had no expectations when I first stepped into that fight. I still wanted to play football. I was just a, I was just an Aussie kid who wanted to go and have a punch on, pretty much. So, but, um, <laughs> give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so there was no, there was no, pre there was no pressure, no expectations. I was sixteen. I was fighting a 24, 25 year old. And then I ended up, yeah, ended up kicking him in the head. First head kick ever from my life, and I knocked him out. And um, I don't know where it came from. To, still to today, I can't, I can, I can't touch my toes. That's how unflexible <laughs> I am. But I managed to kick him. Yeah, I managed to kick him in the head and knock him out. And from that instant, I just said, I want to, I want to fight in the UFC. And um, my dad said, Look, it's going to be hard, but if you want to do it, we'll support you. 
And uh, that's that's the start of the journey. I pretty much dropped football that year. A lot of people weren't happy because they thought, you know, I had the potential to get drafted. But at the end of the day, that was my dream. And I think it, I definitely made the right choice. And just to be fair, the person that you were fighting was a normal-sized human being. They weren't very short. <laughs> you know, they weren't, they weren't normal, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No, we started, even though it was a long time ago before the Octagon was in Melbourne and you know, before it was actually considered legal. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was very grassroots, but it was still structured. We had weight classes and amateur fights. And most of my fights took place. We, we called it a shed. They said it was a basketball court, but it was, it was pretty much a shed. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jake, look at where you are now, my friend. I mean, you're on the Fight and Sight podcast. So from those humble beginnings, you've made it. reached the, the echelon. I've made it. That's it. You've reached your goal, my friend. No, but in seriousness, you have been on multiple pay-per-view cards, right? So you're doing something right because I'll tell you, I'm very shocked sometimes at like some of the, the fan favorites or the high-level fighters that are on these little fight nights that, you know, maybe don't get such viewership, don't get the crowds, but you've been in pay-per-view after pay-per-view. I mean, that's been amazing for your career, right? It has been, yeah. I mean, exactly what you said. I've done something right. I got into the UFC when I was 19. I have I think John Anik told me my last fight, he said the average fight career is about, I think, I think it works out to about two and a half fights and 12 months for a UFC fighter. So I've been in for about nine years and had 16 fights. And that's taking into account about two years of layoffs through injury and other and surgeries and whatnot. Um, and this is what I tell the younger guys. I said, um, I said, I've obviously done something right. I obviously have somewhat of a blueprint to have a long and prosperous career. And that's what everyone should be aiming for. We, you know, we shouldn't be trying to get in. And because people are getting the UFC younger these days, so we don't want to be getting in and out, having a few fights. And then when, you, you know, when you're older, you can say, oh, I was a UFC fighter once upon a time. You want to make the most of your career and maximize it. Uh, and that's what I've done. So like you said, um, we, do have, we do have a method and a bit of a blueprint laid out. We're actually going to kick off. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a management agency because um, I don't like to use that term. It's more mentorship and consultancy. But we're going we're gonna to actually help younger fighters. And I, I saw this morning that um, JJ, Joanna, did an interview and she, I don't know if she's doing the same thing, but she mentioned that she wants to help younger fighters and mentor them because there isn't really, there isn't really a clear cut sort of blueprint for these young fighters to follow. And a lot of the time they'll get sucked into these management agencies, just like I did when I was younger. You know, they throw around six, there you go. Um, they throw around six figure this, six figure that, you know, we manage this guy, this champ. And uh, when it comes down to it, they get you nothing. They take 20% of your fight purse and, like I've mentioned before, I've paid upward of $70,000 in a year in management fees and got and got $0 in my account. Sorry, your, connect, your, sorry your connection might have disconnected just a bit there. How much? What thousand? Uh, it, was, it was upward of $70,000 in 12 months. <laughs> oh, it's probably just over 12 months, but I got, I got $0. And then, and then it was like, oh, you know, but, you know, you lost this last fight. Um, you know, you're Australian-based. We're from America. It's... These are points that should have been brought up at the start, and uh, but it's all a learning curve. It's all trial and error. We've yeah. we've, uh, we've sorted it out now. I, I do what I call co-managing. So I've got one of my best best mates, <clears throat> someone that I would trust in my kids. So I've brought him on board. He he was an absolute beginner in terms of management. He's very staunch. He's Lebanese, so he's a very staunch businessman. So um yes. so he's got that going for him. But we we learn and and progress together. And uh, we learned the industry together, and now we're we're you know we've brought in uh, probably eighty to ninety thousand dollars in the last four months in in endorsements and sponsorships. So yeah, you can you can def we can definitely make it work, and this is something that we also want to show these younger fighters, and hopefully reduce the the financial limitations that stop fighters from progressing to the high you know high levels in their in whatever sport it is. Uh, I feel that we have a lot of cases of like the best that never was because, you know, guys have mortgages, they have to work full time and that's obviously going to get in the way of being able to focus hundred percent on your career. So if we can try and alleviate some of that pressure on these younger fighters, hopefully we can see more, especially in Australia, we can see more Australians get to the UFC and get to the, the higher level of uh, MMA. That's amazing, Jake. And you touched on so many different things I want to get to, 
but just to get back to the fighter pay and we've had fighters on here that you know off camera on camera have said like hey i'm happy with pay i've never actually had a ufc fighter come on that was outwardly disgruntled but so you're saying i i know in your instagram you kind of talked about but you're saying that the fight pay isn't horrible is it because you have slowly been managing yourself or with the help of people but managing so that your contract is better i'm not asking for what your pay is but is it that you you kind of alluded in your instagram story that hey like when you start out you're starting out and you've got to build from there and is that what you're saying like you have to take the time to leverage your pay to make it better exactly you have to look at it in the way that like i've seen i've seen i'm not gonna name any names but i've seen people that have absolutely no business being in the ufc had their records against pub drunks and get to the UFC and um, and within the, within the space of 12 months. It's honestly, it, and these, like I said, these are not my words. These are the words of Sean Shelby. He says at every fight meeting before the fights, he goes, it's not hard to get to the UFC. And he's absolutely right. Yeah, um, it's not hard to get to the UFC. The hard work starts when you get to the UFC. And people compare us to other sports. And I guess you can compare and you can't compare. Um, you know, the, these, these other team sport guys that get paid big contracts, they, uh, they probably started playing when they were, you know, 10, 10 years of age. They played through high school. They had to obviously play at a high level to get a scholarship to a university. They had to go through the university process, the draft process. By the time they actually get to, to playing in the high, let's say NFL, for example, they've, they've pl- probably played three, 400 games. Whereas well, far could, more I than that. Uh, well, there you go. Um, I, I could literally take, and and all the expenses that their family have probably put into them being able to play. Um, I could take a naturally gifted fighter, give me a year of training and then a year of fighting, give him four or five fights against bums and get him to the UFC. Honestly, no, it's honestly that easy, and it's been done before. Uh, and especially yeah. if you've got if you've got a good manager with the gift of the gab, they can do that for you. In my mind, that doesn't mean you're entitled to be getting paid millions. You have to you have to earn your stripes when you're in the UFC. And uh, and like I said, you know these guys. Someone mentioned the other day, oh, this bar this basketball player gets paid nine hundred thousand a year, a rookie. <clears throat> he played like four games that week. Like yeah, you know, recently, especially with COVID. But you know, normally it's two to three fights a year for a fighter. So if you take my fight pay and I fight 30, 40 times a year. Then I'd be getting paid. I'd be getting paid upward of like five, six million a year. So then, so you know, if we were able to fight as frequently, right. then that works out. Um, and also, you know, these guys have the team, the media obligations for the team sponsors for their own sponsors. They're very busy. They in between training, they're working. A lot of fighters, in between training, they're going to the beach. They're smoking weed. They're playing video. They're playing video games. This is this is legit. You know, they're playing video I, games. I'm putting on your tweet here, Jake, that you said, don't sit on your Xbox every spare hour. <laughs> no, nah, that's, that's true. I mean, you might be making money doing that, the streaming side of things. I guarantee a lot of fighters aren't making enough money to justify sitting. You know, so if you're, if you're going and training two times a day and then sitting on the couch in between or just bumming around, you can't expect to be making a lot of money. So this is where I say the, the fighters have to take some sort of account and and go out and be active and get endorsements and sponsorships because there is money out there there's plenty of companies that have um that where the owners or the ceos are are fans of fighting and they're more than happy to throw money at fighters you just have to go out and be active and find them um and this is something else that in in our business structure and our mentorship program we want to teach guys how to do that Yeah, I think that's really important, Jake, because we had a young fighter who was fighting her first Bellator fight a couple of weeks ago, Manuela Marconetto from Italy. And we were talking to her about the sponsorship pay or, you know, yeah, sponsor pay and stuff like that. And I said, you know, like you're going first fight into Bellator, you know, would you have preferred to have like a deal like the UFC where it has the Venom deal? Because at least you're guaranteed that money, however small it would be. And she was like, yeah, she's like, I can't find anything. Like I'm paraphrasing. And she said it with a much nicer Italian accent, but she Uh, was saying like, I can't find money. So you're saying though, Hey, there is money to be found. You got to grind for it. You got to work for it, but there's stuff out there. There there definitely is. Um, I've seen, I've seen amateur guys 
that are just I don't like they're just savvy with marketing themselves and social media. There's amateur fighters that have more followers than most UFC fighters, just because they've hit the right content. They're uh, they're consistent with their content and their social media, which again is is a lesson that we we want to teach um, our clients. Um, so yeah, and and if you've got the following, then you're able to get the sponsorship. Um, obviously, like in on the amateur sense, kids kids are easier to get because you can because they're obviously prospects and they could be phenoms and companies like to support kids from the ground up. Uh, but in regards to amateurs, a little bit harder. But for professionals, there's there's definitely there's definitely sponsors out there. It just it just depends what what they're doing to find those sponsors and how they're networking. Um, net networking is the best thing you can do. From networking on social media, sending multiple messages every week, networking within, you know, within, you'll find sponsors within the gym that you train at. You know, go to the kids' classes, talk to the parents. One of those parents are going to own a company, or they're or they're going to have a friend who owns a company, or they're going to have a friend who have a friend who has a friend who owns a company. You know what I mean? And you just keep branching out. And yeah. um, I think fighters, it, without giving us our method away too much, it all comes down to the the offer that you're giving. So this is, this is as far as the fighter's mind can fathom an offer. Oh, you give me a thousand bucks a month and I'll put up one post a week. It's, it's not appealing to companies. So what they need to do is start looking at things they can add to their offer. It's not going to cost me money to add it to the offer, but it's going to add benefit to the offer. So I'll put up one post a week, for example, and I'll do an in-person training event for your staff. Or, or you go reach out to other companies and you can get discounts for that company you want a sponsorship from for their staff. It's just it's just things that you can do to add um, benefit to the offer. And then by the end of it, you've got half a page to a full page of dot points that these companies going to get out of sponsoring you. So that's that's where fighters need to think outside the box in terms of their in terms of their offer. Um, yeah, but like like I said, like, we, we don't want to keep any secrets from anyone. We want to help everyone build up. But that's pretty much you know one, one of the main things is how to structure an offer. Yeah. Okay. First of all, Jake, I'm on episode 92, and I wish I had you on episode one. <laughs> leverage because I definitely, I mean, seriously, like I'm a, a small little podcast in Toronto, Canada. I got to use things like what you're saying. Like I'm, I, I try some of those things, but I feel also like I'm, I blocked myself. But those are some excellent points. Um, you talk about the sponsorships and about getting them and about working hard. <laughs> Another. Uh, I want to say fan question, but this is like troll questions, you know, that I get, but they're like, well, is, okay. So it was, is Jake happy because the cost of living is less in Australia? Now, before you answer, I do want to say that raises the point though of, Hey, stupid. If you're living in a really expensive area, maybe that's something you need to think about. Like maybe you shouldn't. And I think Kelvin Gaslam recently just left Kings MMA uh, in California, Huntington beach. And he's moved to Arizona. And I think he made mention in an interview about, well, the cost of living is so much cheaper here. Absolutely. You can't be living beyond your means. Um, you know, if, if you're like, you shouldn't have big finance on fancy cars, you know, just to give the, just to give people the impression that you, you're well off and you have money um, live to like, you, know, you got to live, live to your means, you know, don't be going out every night um, partying if you can't, it's it's just it's just simple things like that. So you, you you're absolutely on the money there, um, and and living beyond your means in in regards to what you're paying out of your fire purse as well. So for me, if if a manager was to come on now with me, and I was to pay them the the usual twenty percent fight fire purse um, percentage, I'd probably be paying. Yeah, probably probably nine ninety to a hundred thousand dollars a year um, in management fees. So that means that a manager would have to get me a hundred thousand dollars worth of sponsorship just to break even. Yeah, and but then you're doing all that work for zero. Yeah, exactly. So like, and for, I wouldn't. It'd be almost impossible for someone to get me a hundred thousand dollars worth of sponsorships in a year. And if they can't do it. That means I'm paying them more than I'm getting back. So I'm out of pocket. It's absolutely pointless to me. It doesn't make any sense. So it, the, the simple thing for fighters that I'll tell them is if you're not, whatever you're paying in your fees, if you're not at least getting that back, then sack your manager because you, you're out of pocket. So if you can't afford, and for me, that's $100,000. That's 
that's um that's double my mortgage and then some so i can funnel yeah. that money into something else better and these are the exact conversations i've had with managers when i've when i've said to them look i'm just going to move on because it's not worth me paying this amount of money that money can go like i I could go traveling all year with that, that amount of money, for example. Yeah. So if, if, if you can't afford to have a manager and pay them 20%, again, don't live beyond your means and don't pay that. If your yeah. gym, you know, this is a bit different because the gym might, you might get a lot of benefit from the gym. But I mean, if the gym fees are too high, um, I think in America, they charge a percentage of the fights. Whereas in Australia, we just sort of pay the fees as we go. But I guess, you know, if, if, if it's at a point where you can't afford the gym fees and it's going to, you know, cause you to have to go and work a second job, which is going to inhibit your training even further, maybe consider, you know, finding, you know, somewhere else that you can train that'll give you a better deal. It's just things you got to think about. If you know, if it's really going to limit your your ability to reach the highest levels in the sport, why are you gonna, is it detriment? So why are you going to stick with it? Um, so there's always other things that people have to think about as well. And you know the reason I probably am happy, and don't get me wrong, like if if the UFC came to me and said, "Hey, we want to pay a million dollars for your next fight," I'm not going to say no. Yeah, no, I'm going to no, take no, that. No, you just... know what I mean? But I'm not going, also not going to complain about what I'm getting paid. And if so, if if a fighter is winning from their from their debut, if they're winning their fights, if they're having three fights a year on the base salary, that's enough for a fighter to 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 live off just fighting. And it's the only only organization where someone can live comfortably, even with a family, you can live comfortably. And as long as you're winning your fights, obviously, um, and if yeah. you're getting bonuses, that's even better again. But it's the only organization where you can solely just train and fight and you know not have to worry about working another job or holding pads in a, in a gym and doing PTs. Right, right. And, and two things there, Jay. Um, one is, yeah, you should be fighting multiple times a year. I always feel like that's a problem online on Instagram. People look at the disclosed pay, which you're saying is wrong anyways, but people will go to a website. They'll see what Jake Matthews made for his last fight and they'll go, well, he should be making more. That's not enough to live on. And it's like, hey, stupid. He's not going to fight one time a year. Like yeah. you are supposed to fight two to three is my understanding. Or I mean, they're supposed to offer you two to three fights, right? Yeah, yeah. And my next question is, because I'm getting in trouble with people online about this, how long, how many times should a champion defend their belt, Jake? Just on a, on a quick little aside here, I'm very annoyed that Aljamain Sterling is saying he's going to wait eight months to defend his title. I'm like, this is kind of bullshit. And then people are like, no, a champ should only fight once a year. Is that, what, what do you think of that? Not Aljamain, per se. I think, I think uh, they should approach being a champion just the same as you'd approach being a contender. You should be trying to stay active and fight. I mean, obviously, like you'd be getting paid. You want you want you want to maximize what you're getting paid for starters. Yeah. Um, Second, I think contractually it's like once every twelve months. So, I mean, he's not doing the wrong thing in terms of his contract, but um, ethically to start with, you know, giving other contenders the chance to fight for the belt. You, you want you want to, you don't want to go off tenure. You don't want to go off like oh I held the belt for three years but only fought three times. You want to go. <laughs> yeah. I, I might have, I'd rather hold the belt for a year yeah. and defend it four times. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean. But that's just me. Um, at the end of the day, like when it comes to fighting frequently, I, I guess the training camp and lead up to a fight, it's very taxing on the body. So it's it's you know you, you'd be if you were to fight four to five times a year you would be in training camp nonstop. Right, so that's, right. you know what I mean? Um, with The way I train, I keep a baseline level of fitness and I train all year round, but I don't have blowouts. So that's why I'll probably, especially now, keeping my weight low, keeping a baseline fitness always, I could probably start fighting more frequently. You're not on the it's paddy, you're not, you're not on the paddy pimblet diet? No, I'm not. No, so that's that's where that's where it starts to take a big big toll in your body. Obviously, dropping that amount of weight multiple times a year. So, but I think fighters are starting to move towards staying lighter. Like I only walk around six kilos above my weight. Oh, so it's, okay. Yeah, so I walk into fight week what I am now, and then I just nice. um, yeah, like the last weight cut, I was I was eating carbs the night before weighing, pretty much just eating normally all week, and then um. 
yeah, easy cut. I was in the bath for like half an hour, cut weight, on weight. And especially like now, obviously, I've showcased my boxing and I've always have been a boxer, but um, it's my speed and my explosiveness that's going to be a benefit to me. So obviously, if you're a wrestler, those guys might want to be a bit heavier. Uh, but I, I do think we're seeing a shift. Guys are staying lighter. So we might start seeing guys fight more frequently because, again, the weight cut just won't be as big of a toll on their body. Yeah. Thanks, Jake. And for those listening only on audio, Jake is hitting all the points that I wanted to talk to him about. So I've been throwing up some images as you talk, Jake, because those are the questions I wanted to get to. Uh, one question I w- want to ask you, though, you talked about sponsorships and like how you got to work for or whatever. But in your Instagram video, your infamous Instagram video, it said, hey, the UFC gives us sponsorships too. I have never heard of that in my life. Can you explain what you mean? Yeah. And and the fact that UFC don't defend themselves and come out and say, oh, we do this and this, I actually actually respect that. Um, Regardless of how much slack they get, I respect that they don't go out there and Obviously, they probably don't disclose what the fighters are doing. But, yeah, it's endorsements through – I think it's a new – it's a new um, department that they've got going. It's, uh, I think it's athlete development, well, athlete endorsement development, something like that. But yeah, they're starting to to reach out and give us, you know, these endorsement opportunities with with, with their sponsors and with other big sponsors. And um, the pays, the pays like worlds above anything that you're going to get yourself. Um, so yeah, and they've, like I said, I think I mentioned the amount. I can't remember exactly. I think you like, had said. I think you had said twenty five thousand US dollars. Yeah, twenty five thousand US dollars. The one was fifteen. Was ten? Yes, twenty five thousand US dollars within the space of like two and a half weeks. So that was and that was just two two endorsements. Just go film. One of them was filming off my phone. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. So the UFC and the UFC are obviously putting a high ticket to the to those companies and saying, hey, these are athletes. These are what they this is what they're worth, which is good. Um, maybe it's time that other sponsors take note of that and start offering athletes what they're worth. Um, you know, but I think if, if, if anyone wants to, wants to throw shade at anything about fight pay, they should be looking at the regional fight shows, um, especially in Australia. It's just, it's terrible at the moment. I was getting paid more when I was 18, which was 10 years ago. I was getting paid more back then than what, some guys getting paid now. And I'm, when I say I'm talking about very experienced guys with 15 plus fights, former Australian champions, getting paid a thousand dollars Australian um, to fight, it's it's just I think I reckon that's criminal. And that's that's what's really going to hold guys back from being able to get to these bigger promotions. Because yeah, that... you know, if you I mean, if you get kicked in the leg and you get a sore leg for a week, you can't work for a week. You most guys probably make more than a thousand dollars a week, so you're actually going to be out of pocket. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's that's something that I'd like to start helping fighters with is in, in within Australia, especially in the regional scenes, helping them trying to maximise their fight pay as well. Even if it helps them a little bit, then we feel like we've uh, we've sort of done our job. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, Reggie, it's so cool because you see these fighters that now grew up young, right? So Jake, you've been in this a long time. You're seeing this. You're you know you're a guy who's who's in it but has seen it wants to help back. I feel like the next generation of fighters is greatly going to benefit from like people like you and people that are doing things like you. If, if a fighter is watching this now, we have tons of amateur fighters, Jake. I love having amateur fighters on our show because we get to kind of meet them when they're young and hungry and, you know, seeing them off on their journey. How do they get in touch with you for that program that you're talking about, like for your management team or whatever you want to call it? Yeah. So we haven't, we haven't, we haven't uh, kicked it off yet. Probably about a week or two away, but I mean, I've, I've, I've put the word out a few times on Instagram and we've had a very good response to people that want to jump on board. Uh, we've, got, we've got some pros. So we've got two options. We've got, it's more for the amateurs, but it's a mentorship and consultancy. Yeah. We're, creating a network, we're creating a network of companies within the industry, things like allied health professionals, uh, you know, supplement companies gyms and coaches so we're getting a network together that these fighters will have access to as well as consultancy with myself and any other fighters that we that we want to bring on board to the network as well and then we have the endorsement sponsorship scaling side of things which is pretty much um we'll be active helping fighters get sponsorships while they're with us but we'll also have course content to show them how to 
something as simple as creating an athlete profile, a photo, your name, your record, a little bio, your accolades, things you've achieved. Uh, add that to a to an email with the sponsorship proposal, and then and then send it off to sponsors. You know what I mean? So there's ways right. that, and it seems simple, but it's just things guys don't think about. They'll they'll message your company Instagram, hey sponsor me, one post a week. Mm-hmm. Company's like nah, it's not worth it for us. So we want to teach guys how to make an offer that would be silly for a company to refuse, pretty much. So, uh, but yeah, if, they, if the if the guys are interested, just give me a follow on Instagram. Start messaging me now, um, showing expressions of interest. And uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty much, you know, we've, we've actually got uh, a couple of pros on board with us already. And uh, and actually, a, a, an Australian-based rapper. <gasps> Yeah, is it the uh, is yeah. it the guy that is it the guy that sang your intro song that I used the Lizzie? No, no, is it's it? not Lizzie. No, it's not Lizzie. He's already he's already big. He's already big. This is oh, a okay. this is a young young kid from Melbourne. Oh, um, nice! Absolutely like, in, incredible. And uh, I just messaged him and said, "Hey, man, like, like you sound amazing." I thought it was I thought it was like a, a established artist from America. To be honest, that's how good he sounded. Yeah. And they actually brought up saying, uh, you know, would you, would you know, you mind if we jump on board with you? So, yeah. so he's on board with us now. Um, but we're we're not we're not going to claim any. We're not going to claim we're going to get guys to the top. You know, we're we're, no, we're no, gonna just help. to help. We're gonna we're gonna help these guys as much as we can, and we're gonna be honest when we can't help them anymore. When they've reached a point where they've outgrown us, we will we will help them move on to someone who can help them progress even further. So we're not going to hold them back and and make them think we're going to get them to the top and limit anyone. So I think that's the difference. So this, so it's for, it's by fighters for fighters and being yeah. a fighter, I'm, I'm empathetic to these guys and I understand what they need. And the last thing we want to do is, um, is hold them back. So that, that's going to be the difference between management agencies and what we're doing. Well, that's amazing. Um, but, but in saying that, yeah, in saying that it's, it's up to the fighters to understand that they, you know, if, if they need the help or not, it's, it's something that hasn't really been done before, so we'll, we'll see how the guys react to it. It could take off and be big, or it could just not get any traction. We don't know. All we can do is launch it, offer the help. Um, the main point is that I've, I've been doing this, so I've just hit my stride in regards to for everything from training to fighting to getting endorsements and sponsorships. 10 years of fighting as a professional until I've, until I've just hit my sort of peak in, in, in all aspects from fighting and business. So 10 years of trial and error that these guys don't have to go through because I've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's pretty much that's it. They can go off on their own and, 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 and learn it on their own and make all the mistakes, which they're still going to make mistakes, yeah. or they can try and reduce that learning process by jumping on board with us. Because um, there, there is, there is a, a kind of a blueprint. Like I said, like, like we said at the start, I've obviously done something right. I've obviously done a lot of things right because I've had you know a career that far exceeds you know what what the average fight length uh, is in the UFC. I've done well with um, you know getting you know I've never been a point in my life. We got Jared Cannonier on on camera saying like, he's broke by his next fight. I've never had a point in my career where I've said oh I'm broke I'm struggling. And I've I, and I've ninety five percent of my career has been with with multiple children, family, building a house. Like, you know, living with the family. So all these expenses, most of these fighters live on their own and they don't have families. So I've managed to do it to, I've managed to be well off with, with the family and everything. So, yeah. So we've made the mistakes. If these guys want to, want to fast, there's no, there's no shortcuts, but if they want to fast track their, their, you know, because their learning process, definitely hit us up. At least just, just suss us out and see what we're about and uh, see if it's for you. Yeah. All right. Well, I know for sure I'm going to send over the Slim Reaper. He's an amateur fighter we had on before. I'm going to send yeah. over the Slim Reaper. So watch for him for audio only guests. Uh, Jake Matthews can be reached at at Jake Matthews UFC on Instagram. So go find you there. Right. I apologize, yeah. Jake. I've taken you longer than I thought. Are you OK just for a couple more minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Okay? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. OK. OK. Yep. Um, I did. I did. I mean. I do want to say you're such an eloquent speaker. Another thing that you need to do is you need to do some sort of like motivational speaking or like TED talks. You know what I mean? Like you got to do something like that for athletes because I feel like you're good for that. Um, you're you posted about uh, this was funny on your Instagram. Someone was talking about your next fight, and you're like, nope, that's not true. But you are <laughs> fighting soon, so more misinformation, Jake. Do you have any idea when you may be fighting next? It hasn't been announced by the UFC, so we're not supposed to say too no. much. But 
I, I am fighting in December. Um, oh, later okay. in December. Well, I am fighting December? later in December in okay. in in Vegas. So nice. Hey, you nice. blink twice when we hit the date. Okay, you just you just blink twice. Okay, we, you just. That's <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys, you're gonna get me in trouble. Uh, are you okay well are you happy with the fight are you happy with the opponent i know last time you were really happy with your opponent because you're like hey this is a guy i'm going to be able to showcase my striking i'm going to showcase what i'm all about this opponent are you happy i am i so i had i had, a, I had an opponent who uh unfortunately he's not able to make it to the fight so i've got i've got a new opponent now but mm -hmm. yeah i mean we're chasing a ranked guy i think if i had have waited to to fight on the perth card in February, I think I could have I could have had a uh, a ranked opponent, and and actually Vincente Luque agreed to fight me on on social media in front of everyone, so he can't back down now. But he's on a he's on a medical he's on a medical suspension until early next year, and I didn't want to wait. I mean, I've obviously had long layoffs with COVID and other injuries. I've actually had probably more than two years off fighting um, over the course of my career, so I want to stay active. Even if it means like I have to fight an unranked guy, which this next one is, um, a fight to fight, you know what I mean? Fight to fight, I get paid the same whether I fight the champ, I'm like, whether I fight a top contender or whether I fight, you know, an unranked fight, I get paid the same. It's just another notch on the belt. And, you know, if, if we end up fighting in Perth, we'll be going in with another big win and hopefully another big knockout. So some good momentum behind me. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You talked, okay, well, we're super excited for that. And Jake, ever since, when, whenever you come on the podcast, we always call you a friend of the podcast and we'll do updates about your career as we go, right? So whenever that fight comes up, we will be letting our fans know. Uh, you spoke about, you know, the importance of social media and how that's going to be important for sponsors. I think that's really key for people. You know, we had one girl on the show. She was on the Ultimate Fighter, the last series, Caitlin Katniss Neal. Okay, out of California, she has something like five hundred thousand followers. I'm like, what the hell? Like, I didn't know who she was or anything like that. And I look, and, I, and then when we had her on the podcast, I'm like, how the hell do you have this many followers? Like, and but she was an influencer. She had been doing stuff. She had brands, like she had a, a, a clothing brand. She had an app that she works out. She had massive following already. Mm -hmm. So I feel yeah. like that really helps. And then obviously, then that's going to help her career, like what you're saying. So Absolutely. for you. For you, like with your social media and stuff like that, you are saying for young fighters, it's important to build your social media. It's important to build your brand. So I do want to ask your new hairstyle. It's very cool, Jake. And I feel like, oh, see? It's awesome. It's but, when, awesome. But, when, <laughs> but when it had the cornrows in it at the fight, even the commentators, Israel Adesanya came out, put out a video saying how cool you looked. Like, I feel like you've just, not just developed as a fighter, but like just developed as like your brand, like your personal branding. Was it a conscious effort or is it just like, you're like, I need a new haircut? Not really. So, um, look, that is, that is who I am. And what I say to people, I said, it's very, it's very hard to put on a character. It's very tiring. And you have to make sure when the cameras are there, that that character's on. If you don't, have, if you don't have consistency of character, it just looks weird. Mm -hmm. If you had Conor McGregor talking all his trash, in one video and in the next video he's he's a humble you know, <laughs> a humble normal martial artist it's not gonna it's not gonna look weird we're gonna see through it so you need to have mm -hmm. consistency of character for starters um and, and the easiest way to do that is whatever your whatever your natural personality is just exaggerate it so obviously connor i believe connor what connor does is natural i believe yeah. he's naturally confident he's naturally you know um you know very macho he when the camera's on he just exaggerates that so you know, if, and if like it's the same, if, if someone's really, it probably doesn't sell as much. But if someone's a really humble person, you know, that's your that's your character. Just keep that consistent, and then with that, also consistency of content on social media. I know all this stuff. I don't do it myself. I, I could probably, I could have ten times the amount of followers I have. Um, I just, I just don't implement. I do. I, I put my effort into other business things outside of social media, but. But yeah, it's it's just consistency of content. I'd I'd post, I'd get massive interactions for two weeks, and then I'd go MIA for three weeks, <laughs> and um and it just and then you can see that it just it's an absolute just dead stop in regards to interactions and getting followers. Um, you know, I've I've been pretty active on Twitter for the past three weeks, and I got like three thousand followers 
yeah, after neglecting it for about five years. Um, yeah. <laughs> and all, yeah, and all it is, yeah, I, I didn't have the app for about five years and I was like, I just remembered, I've got Twitter, I might jump on. <laughs> I, just, I just posted just motivational quotes off Google. A lot, whoa, of, them whoa, whoa. Up, a lot of them I thought up myself, but all right. just posting three, four times a day and, and then it just being consistent, people started following. So it's just, yeah, consistency of content and character when it comes to social media to, to grow your brand. And if you find a piece of content that gets a lot of interactions, that's obviously what people are after. Try and replicate that style of, uh, that style of content, whether it's a photo or if it's video. Um, you know, people love day in the life type things. People love controversy to an extent. So yeah, you just, you just got to find out what works and, and stick at it. It's, I think people, they'll get motivated for a few weeks and then it's, they slowly die off. You just got to stick at it. <laughs> yeah, Jake, that is the answer, man. You got to stay consistent. But I, I like what you're saying too, because yeah, for young fighters, look, you got to build your brand. You got to build your brand. You got to be, and being consistent on social media is also a metaphor for your life, right? Like you got to be consistent with your training, with your eating habits, mm -hmm. like with, with all those things. You have to be consistent and stuff in order to achieve success. Absolutely. You just pretty much just said, I have a, I have a, you can tweet that if you I, want. Yeah, I might actually, um, I actually put a tweet up. It's probably the first, it's probably the first tweet I put up when I got back on the Twitter and it was consistency breeds success. So exactly what you just said. Um, and I, I, that's all I tell my guys is just, if you're consistent at something, like if you're just consistently rocking up to the gym with your bad days, good days, if you're just consistently grinding away at your goal, you'll, you'll eventually be successful. Um, yeah. And if you're not, you're obviously not consistent. You're doing the wrong things. You're not being disciplined. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's simple, but it's, it's hard at the same time. 100% it's, it's, right. It's simple, like, yeah, it's simple just to be consistent, but obviously life gets in the way as other, you know, it depends on the amount of effort people are willing to put in. But, um, but yeah, like I said, it's all, it's all a learning curve. And uh, if people want to learn, you know, about all the, the trial and error that I've gone through, then they can reach out to us and hopefully we can help them. Um, and, and another thing, another big thing is whatever fee that they, in terms of the endorsement scaling side of things, whatever fee they pay us, we, we will get them back. We will keep working with them until we get that back. So essentially they're going to get their money back and they're going to learn all of the course content and how to go on from there and get their own sponsors. Um, and this, we have no affiliations to any gyms or any fighters or any management agencies, nothing. We're complete standalone. Um, yeah, so so we have no affiliations to anyone. We just, just want to help fighters. So genuinely just want to help guys. It's funny you say that, Jake, because there's a professional gym that just recently now has created their own management team. I don't want to say the name because I don't want to be rude about it. But when I saw that, I'm like, this is a scam. And I don't like that the gym itself creates their own management team. Cause I'm like, well, now you're controlling every aspect of this person. Yeah. That seemed weird to me. So I like, I, I, I just caught on when you said, Hey, we don't have any affiliation to any gym because I'm like, yeah, like, don't you have to be somewhat separate anyways? It's, if it works yeah, for you, it works for you. I'm happy. But that just seems, that just seems going to lock you into everything, you know what I mean? And like, everyone's going to outgrow a gym eventually um that's what i'm saying jake i mean I've, I've i've moved always amicably but i've I've moved gyms probably my main training gym five times four or five times throughout my career and i can guarantee if i had a state at any one of those gyms that i moved from i wouldn't be in the ufc today so you do outgrow gyms you do need to progress and move on it can always be done amicably um it's obviously up to the coach to to be on board with making it am amicable yeah. as well um and then also with, with management agencies as well, there needs to be some sort of perform. I'm giving away all our secrets, but we need to have some sort of you need to have some sort of performance clause in a contract. And uh, I've experienced this firsthand, but it was pretty much I want a performance clause. Put down X amount that you've said about ten times that you're going to get me in our in our meeting. So put down that dollar amount and put a performance clause. If you don't hit that, I have the right to withdraw from the contract and leave. And they and they backpedaled and said, "Oh no 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 no!" So well, that just shows a lack of confidence before I've even signed up with you. So no. Yeah, Look yeah. at you. That's that's a good negotiation tactic. I like that. I'm gonna steal that one. 
It's, if you're so confident that you can get it, you have no issue putting in a performance clause. If, if someone wants to, if someone wants to write out a contract with us and put a performance clause on on what we're offering, more than happy to do it because we will honour it. Nice. Jake, Reg, Reggie's a lawyer, so if, yeah, she gives, no, there you go. Okay. <laughs> if she gives you the okay on that, then that is that's awesome. <laughs> Jake, uh, we've kept you much longer. Look, we'll normally only go for an hour. We've gone for forty-five minutes. Do you want to stick around the last fifteen minutes? Are you okay? Yeah, absolutely. That's fine. Okay, I want to talk about something ridiculous that happened, though. Okay, so this is the end of the Jake-focused interview. Are you okay with that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're amazing, though, Jake. Okay, I want to raise this issue because this happened. I want to show a clip of something that I talked about. Or, well, Jake. Okay, well, Jake, did you get this letter from the UFC? This was the one that said you cannot bet on UFC fights? Uh, yes, you... I did, yeah. Okay, so you actually received it? Yes. Okay. So that comes Did I out. read it? That's another story, but <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry. <laughs> so okay. So that comes out and it goes online. And I had it on the podcast and I said, Whoa, this is crazy. I think this means something happened. You know, like I think maybe something happened. Yeah. The week, yes. yep. Okay. The week following, TJ Dillashaw shows up with one arm to fight loses the fight and i did and i said this on the following podcast reg this is not reggie in costume i had a different co-host hold on mm -hmm. chris i love conspiracies here my friend i think they put this out because they knew tj's team was betting the farm on aljo man uh you gotta show me some proof but i've always <laughs> wondered i've always wondered what stops stuff like that you know like okay Mm, yep. So because I'm like, wait a second, what are the odds they say you can't bet on your team? And then the next week, TJ shows up with one arm falling out of the socket. I'm like, how many of TJ's freaking teammates and coaches and whatever bet a boatload against yeah. him? Yeah. And yeah. then and would have made money, right? Everyone calls me an idiot. They say I'm stupid, Jake. But then this week, did you see what happened? Did you? I'm, did you I'm not. I'm not. Oh, Jake, anything from my... Jake, let me educate you, my friend. <laughs> so what happens is there's a fight that's going on, and it's uh, on the early prelims last week. It's Derek, Min Derek Minner, M-I-N-N-E-R, and he's fighting a guy, okay? He's yep. the underdog. He goes out and fights. In the first minute of the fight, he throws a kick. His leg looks like it buckles or something's wrong with his leg. He then throws another left kick. His leg crumbles. He goes to the ground. The other guy beats the crap out of him, like elbows to the head, sustains quite a bit of damage probably. And then the fight gets called off. Well, then the news comes out, Jake. And I'm putting it here. The UFC is to review suspicious betting activity before <laughs> Nerdambieke's win over Derek Minner. You don't know any of these people, right? Like these are your buddies or anything? Okay. No, no. So I'm like, what do you mean they're reviewing suspicious betting activity? Well, then what happens is this guy comes out. I don't know who this is. At Aaron Bronstetter. The UFC fight on Saturday between Derek and Nudemiker, which ended abruptly, is being investigated by a U.S.-based betting integrity firm after several sports books in multiple states reported suspicious wagering on the featherweight bout. Mm. So Jake, what happens then when you read into it and there's some articles online, you can see the other guy was a betting favorite at like negative 220. For those that don't understand betting, it means you have to bet $220 just to win a hundred bucks on your money. Mm. Tons of bets start coming in for these early prelim guys, Jake, that I'm sure the betters are like, who the hell's betting on this? <laughs> they're betting, not only that, but they're predicting that he's going to lose in the first round. So then all the bookkeepers and stuff and the website start to increase the odds. So the odds to bet on the, the other guy is negative 420. You have to bet $420 to bet up to win 100. And they mm. said the bets were pouring in on this guy. So something happened and then the fight, and then so like some sites even stopped betting on the fight, whatever, like they just wouldn't even take any more bets. Sure yeah. enough, the guy wins in the first round. And so now the question is, did the gym 
know that this guy was severely injured and let it slip? Or did the teammates let it slip? Or did someone say, hey, look, this dude's going in. He's like going to die. So you, not die, but he's he's going to lose, man. He's one leg. Yeah. Or did he throw the fight? I don't think he threw the fight. Um, it went, they went to someone for comment on some website here. Hold on. They said uh, they spoke with a source familiar with Minner's camp and said his left knee was absolutely injured going into the fight, uh, end quote. So people knew. And so now there's this huge investigation. I don't know what's going to happen with this guy. But this is exactly what I said was going to happen. Yeah. You did. Like, You're kind of psychic, actually. <laughs> Jake, this guy's dead yeah. meat. It's obviously all speculation, but um, I think that's all too coincidental. It's too coincidental. And like, because like, who's betting on early prelim fights? Big money, Jake. Like who's who's watching them? You know. <laughs> How dare you, Jake? How dare this you? Is okay. I've, I've, I, I, I did my time fighting early prelims. I remember fighting early prelims in stadium events, and there's like there's no one in the in the stadium, let alone watching no. the TV. You know who was there, Jake? This guy. Okay. When the <laughs> UFC when the UFC comes to Toronto, if I have that ticket for that event, man, I am there while they're setting up. Like yeah, yeah. They only, they only come to your damn city like once. Jeez, Louise, it's like almost like just a couple times a decade. <laughs> like I'm gonna yeah. get that ticket. I'm gonna enjoy the hell of it, you know. But uh, so anyway, so this is crazy. I don't know what's gonna happen. But here's the kicker too: the guy that lost, right? So the guy that everybody's betting against, who's injured, he goes to Glory MMA with the famous James Krause, which is this coach, right? Yeah. Apparently this guy has is like a big betting guy and has a podcast about betting. Okay, yeah. It's not good for the look. I mean, I'm no. just saying. It's it not. Doesn't quite look good. So this yeah. makes it So this makes it look even worse now. And so the the um yeah, so he he hosts a podcast called The 1% Club. And it's about betting and stuff like that. And apparently he's like a it says a known sports better. Hmm. Yeah, this story cannot get worse. No, for yeah. I mean, if I had those facts in front of a jury, I'd I'd be really excited. If I <laughs> that's that's all. Yeah, it's 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 almost beyond all reasonable doubt. You know? yeah, yeah, like this. I mean, it's crazy. And so Reggie, being a lawyer, like we talked about the contract when we saw it, that letter that Jake didn't read, but. <laughs> It said it says I, I, Jake. I read something about betting and I was like, I don't I don't bet I, I don't gamble anyway. Okay, but it's not just you, it's it's you, your team, and and others. So it's like it's it's meant to include like your team, your gym, your coaches. And I think yeah. Reggie and I were talking about I think that also means like your family and friends. Like yeah, I think so. Because if you came home, Jake, and was like, Hey, man, Steve is busted. And he's been at the gym for months and he's busted and he's still fighting on Saturday. That's pretty crazy. And then your your wife goes off and bets the farm yeah. against him. Like that, that's what they're saying he can't do. Now it has to be a UFC, but you know. Yeah. Uh Reggie, I wonder where the line's drawn. Like if, if question. Like that, how, how many relatives? Uh, yeah. Yeah, how many relatives or how many friends deep can it go before you can bet? Yeah. yeah. Reggie, so what maybe, is the answer? Maybe, yeah. I think maybe these fighters have been going to Thailand too much. That's what the, the Thai coaches. Yeah, I've got friends that I've got friends that will go to Thailand. Never done kickboxing before or Muay Thai, and they go. They'll, they'll call me and say, "Hey, the the Thai coach said I'm I'm really really good," and they're not. <laughs> You're not. And um, and they're like, "I oh, want me to fight this weekend." Mm -mm. I'm like, "Yeah, because they're going to bet against you. You're going to get humbled." Wait, so it's, this really happens. So this stuff. Oh yeah, this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, any Western that goes to Thailand and jumps in a Muay Thai gym, they will ask you to fight that weekend. Okay, so no, you're not naturally gifted. You are going to be the center ring attraction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're gonna yeah, they're gonna bet against you. Um, oh, they are, I went there when I was younger, and I was good, so maybe they thought I would win. But they asked me to fight as well. So they'd probably bet against my opponent because I was actually fighting back then. But um. But yeah, yeah. So these guys get sucked in, and I've, I've actually a sad story. Um, and actually, Jack Jenkins just recently, Aussie guy, just recently won 
on the contender series. Uh, yeah, yeah. Guy. He's, so he's got a contract. Yeah. So he mentioned our our very good friend Sai. Uh, went to Thailand. Got stitched up with a pretty tough Muay Thai fight. Um, ended up in a coma. Um, um, sorry. Um, so he's he's been stuck in Thailand for. Oh, I can't even, I can't even remember now. Three maybe three years on his own. Um, brain brain damaged. Yeah, in a bed because he got stitched up and ended up finding out that the Thai coach bet against him. The coach that put him into the fight. Um, and this is this is a guy that can box and can kickbox and can fight. Um, so it definitely does happen and can be very dangerous. So his own so, coach bet against him and. Like the, the tight coach, up, you yeah. Just the feed him to the, the lions, right? You just feed him against. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. So we found we found that out, and he's. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people still actively trying to get him home, but he's he's been there on his own for, in a hospital bed, um, for years, for years and years and years. After yeah, just taking hey, just just took one one sort of last minute tie fight, and that, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that is messed uh, up. Definitely does happen. Um, yeah, definitely does happen. Yeah, it's funny because I mean that's yeah, those are those crazy stories, and that's where you know that people are taking fights to pad their record, right? And so if you're on the wrong end of that padding, if you're the person being fed, so this other person can can pad their record. I mean, that's like dangerous stuff, man. I think there should be very, I think there should be severe charges. It's it's almost yeah, of course. Some sort of consequence, you know. What I mean, if someone's taking steroids and they have that much of an advantage, it becomes dangerous. Mm-hmm. This is not like someone's going to run, like you know, fend you off and go score a, uh, a goal in a football match. Mm-hmm. You're going to get hurt. You get punched and you get punched and kicked, and you know, limbs could get broken, choked unconscious. It's, it's not reckless it's not... disregard for the athletes. You know, it's it's Absolutely. you know, like like you were saying, you're, you're going to have injuries. You're going to have, you know, potential for, I mean, well, I guess you're not going to probably have liability because that's all been signed away, but it's like, we've taken out all of the liability and go nuts. And these people are left with these lifelong injuries or problems because you let them go in there and they signed the rights away, you know, before they went in. Yep. Yep. And and for for probably 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or less. And that, and that's the thing. And so, I mean, you know, and in a way that brings it back to this whole issue with this minor kid, minor minor kid. It's like his gym. Like if you knew that this guy is that injured, regardless of whether this whole betting thing is true or not, it. But it has to be because who's betting on the early prelims? But that that it brings into case right, like the gym that's letting you go out there and fight, compromised and injured, right? Like unless unless you're in. I mean, I guess this is a, this is a bad news bad news scenario. You're either in on it and you're making money off this guy's loss, which is illegal and bad, blah, blah, blah. Or you're just a totally negligent gym or coach or whatever. And you're letting this guy go out and get severely hurt because I'm telling you, he took a lot of damage after he fell to the ground. Jake, the guy was on top, elbowing him to the head and he's kind of blocking and the ref is like kind of letting it go. And yeah. I was like, holy cow, like the ref had to have seen that his leg crumpled. So at the very least, you might stop. Maybe, maybe the that. ref, maybe the ref bet on him to win. Oh God, no! It's a rabbit hole now. It's a conspiracy. They're all working together. Inception. We're all going to be like drawing like the map. Who? Yeah. No, it's he's like, hey, I'll bet money on you. Get up. Now, now, now. Yeah, he didn't get the tip that this guy was injured. But yeah, it's like, but it's like you know, like so. Yeah, you're right though, Jake. I was. I mean, it's either there's a betting problem here, or the coaches and stuff were letting this guy go out. And again. I love Glory MMA. I like James Krause. I, I've met some of his fighters on this show. I wouldn't like to know that this is real, but geez, Louise, it's a bad story. But yeah, for me, I mean, for me, I look at everything. Everything I do is just it's it comes down to just I look at things morally. Like I just couldn't, I just couldn't do something like that as a coach or as a fighter. You know what I mean? I, it's to me, it's it's like even if you win and got big money, it's just dirty money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've been offered endorsements and things that I just things that I don't I don't agree with, and you know, um, promoting like crypto things that I think you know might, might may, may potentially be a scam. I don't know 100, percent but they just don't seem right, and I refuse to to pump them out. 
I, I don't want people losing money for something that I've been promoting and it's just yeah so I don't know I'll, I'll take I think very ethical standpoint on, on everything um I guess I don't know not everyone is, is the same no Jake I okay the only other Australian no I guess I know I know <laughs> the only other Australian or New Zealand person I think that I know is is Janae Harding, who was on this podcast. Do you know Janae Harding? I've I've I haven't don't believe I've met her. I'm not oh. in the same vicinity as her, but we haven't really met and talked. But I do know okay, her. Okay. Yes. But she was on the podcast, and it's so funny, Jake, because now I'm just feeling like that part of the world. You guys are all very nice, very <laughs> humble, very good people. Like Janae was on this podcast, and I just got out of it that she was like just you know like. The salt of the earth like she's just such a good person in yeah. general but you're giving off that vibe too jake yeah. even though you're a killer in the cage you're a man with principles you kill in the cage but man with principles outside. you don't have your, you have your principles at the end of the day what do, what do you have nothing oh, everything always everything always materialistic stuff you can't take it when you go you can't take yeah. it with you you know what i mean um but i think i think oh how am i gonna not how am i gonna not anger australians um I, <laughs> I'll just say, I'll say this. I think it's more to do with the fact we're martial artists than to do with the mm -hmm. fact that we're New Zealand or Australian because I I know some arsehole Aussies. Oh. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, uh, yeah, without, without, uh, I don't want to get cancelled either. Um, with, in with the state of the world in the last, over the last few years, a lot of true colours came out. Yes, yes. Um, okay. I hear what you're saying. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think it's, I can attribute the fact that we're martial artists is, is why we're so humble. And that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that all martial artists are the same, but generally, I mean, and this is again coming to, to someone's character, uh, Kevin Lee, for example, probably probably has a stigma of being one of the biggest assholes in MMA. Without a doubt, the nicest guy I've, I've had the pleasure of fighting against. Oh. Yeah, immediately after the fight, just could not be more apologetic for trash talking. He just said it's all about it's all just hyping it up. That's all it was. Mm. Every time I've seen him afterwards, he'll run up, give me a massive hug, always talk to me. You know, nice. uh, me and Johnny, me and, yeah, me and Johnny Case, we fought, beat each other up, and then a few months later, I was flying him out to Australia to live with us and train with us, become good mates. Emil, wow. Emil uh, uh, Meek, you know, we had a we had a good fight. We still message each other back and forth, always wishing each other the best. It's uh, yeah, so so vast, vast majority of martial artists. Uh, have have that kind of character to them. That's um, good. Yeah. It's just I don't know with martial arts either the if you have an ego, either the ego is going to go. You need to, so in regards to a gym, the ego is going to go, or you're or you're going to go. Mm -hmm. You can't have both. You, you're getting beaten up every day. Your ego is going to yeah. go, and you're, you're going to get humbled. Yeah, Jake, this has been the coolest podcast. So unexpected. I. I knew I knew that you were going to be a good talk because I love the topic. Like I, we talk about this a lot in the fighter pay and stuff like that. It's always something that's debatable. I, I like being able to talk about the betting thing. But man, everywhere you went with this, the management team, where the it's more, I would say it's more like a mentorship you're also you're offering, right? Like more so than a management, yeah, it's yeah. like a mentorship, you know? Well, the last thing we're going to call it is management. We're not taking a percentage of anything that we get for fighters. No, nothing. We're not taking any fight purse. We're not taking any percentage of sponsorships we get from them. You know, we'll, we'll get, we'll have a fee because obviously we have, we have people working for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll, and we'll grow that, we'll grow that, um, we'll grow the amount of people that are working for us and bring more experts in from like marketing experts to, you know, other UFC fighters. Uh, you know, we've got multiple, multiple people in media, photographers, videographers that can help add benefit and, 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 and you know, so obviously like I'm limited in what I know about media and social media. We have people that, experts in that field that can help fighters and that's what that network's about so so yeah it's definitely not a management agency it's just mentorship consultation yeah. everything everything to do with fighting from if you got a question about weight cutting message me i'm going to be replying personally and any any other athlete that's on telegram is going to be them replying personally i do i do this anyway nice. i'll probably spend two three hours a week um getting requested messages on instagram about just young kids sending me videos hitting the bag you know, asking me about weight cutting, even things well, being a young dad who fights, how to how to balance that. I get questions about that a lot. Um, so yeah, and so we've just taken that. And we just I do it anyway. So we're just gonna, we're just turning into a business and hoping to expand it and just uh, just get our reach as far as we can in regards to helping fighters. 
awesome. Jake, man, we wish you all the best in your fighting career, but also in all the endeavors that you do, man. You're you're the coolest dude. Yeah. Reggie, Reggie, <laughs> we're hit we're hitting time. Uh yeah. is there anything you want to say before we go, Reggie? No, but I'm just gonna embarrass Jake. Like you're like a total example of positive masculinity right here. Like I'm all <laughs> for this, like seriously. So thank you. It's been great. I love this. Nah, thank you, thank you for that. That's uh that's yeah. great to hear that. Yeah, Jake, thank you so much. Jake, before I let you go, who should we have on the podcast? Someone that uh, you know that's cool like you. Someone that's cool. Are you looking to get like an Aussie or someone from this side of the world? Doesn't doesn't matter. Anybody. Yeah, sure. Like who would be a good person to talk to? Someone fun to talk to. A good fun person, honestly, if you can reach out, would be Emil Meek. Done. He's just an absolute, absolute character. You that'll That'll top this show for sure. Um, how how he's, dare he's you? Just full, he's just full of energy, so he'd be a good one to get. In regards right. to getting in to getting another Aussie, um, you want someone who's got good energy? Uh, Josh Coolabell. All right, Josh done. He'd be good to talk to because he's actually just picked up. I don't know what I don't know the ins and outs of it, but he's got something going on with KFC in regards to like an endorsement or a sponsorship. So, <laughs> yeah, so he's obviously onto something there as well. Um, and he's yeah he's full of energy so he'd be good to get on awesome man jake i will reach out to those people guys if you join the podcast for the first time because of jake matthews thank you so much for joining the podcast uh we have tons of episodes in our backlog that you should check out this is episode 92 so you've got 91 that you can catch up on next week on the podcast reggie uh i said that i was going to try and get him and we did we are having the beast boy mike davis come on the podcast jake you'll like this for entrepreneurship Mike Davis is the guy that was selling his corner man spot for ten thousand uh, dollars. Yes, yeah, yeah. So hey, he's, if he's gonna... got a free if he's got a free spot. Maximize that money. Yeah, yeah. man, sell it. Uh, so we're gonna as, have as Mike... long as it's not gonna be a detriment to your fight. You know what I mean? Like yes, as long as it's not gonna inhibit your fighting ability or, or throw you off mentally. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Can't be some crazy idiot. But no, nah, they're gonna sit. They're gonna sit in the back, be quiet, yeah, yeah. and just watch. It's just a front row seat, pretty much. Yeah, it's a front row seat. Is being able to go backstage, right. meet all the people, like yeah. be there for the signing, the whole thing, right? So it's a cool, cool opportunity. And for ten thousand bucks, man, there's some there's some loaded people out there that could throw that around no problem. The most so expensive absolutely. quiet time you'll ever pay for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just exactly. quiet. You just yeah, you just sit there. Uh, guys, that's it for the podcast. So thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Jake, you are a true, true friend of the podcast, man. Uh, in your future, I do hope we get to have you back on the podcast one day. All the best to you, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. All right. All right. Have a good one, guys. Take care, Reggie. Bye.